Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to The Postscript. Welcome back to The Postscript. Uh, I'm here with Pastor Greg Axe of Crest Bible Church, and we're having a conversation about church history, and it's been a lively conversation so mm -hmm. far. We've talked about a lot of different things. Today we're going to have a conversation that's specifically about the 3rd and the 4th century of, of church history and how the Catholic Church came to be, uh, the, the influence of the, the Roman Empire in that, and really just how things unfolded and some of the really corrupt doctrines that came out of that time period. Uh, Greg and I have been talking about that, and I want to I ask him some more. So yeah. concerning those early heresies that crept from the 2nd century into the 3rd century, right. the influence of the Gnostics, stuff that we've talked about in previous episodes, tell us about some of those heresies that were prevalent and, and, and really impactful early on. Some of the things that crept in the church early on were things like maybe infant baptism, for example, mm. where we, um, the understanding that man is born with a sin nature, but if we could do some sort of religious ceremony for our babies and undo that sin nature, then we can plug them into the church and sort of, you know, make them Christian or Catholic, of course, mm -hmm. ultimately. We can make them Christian against their will by baptizing them when they're, mm. it's a spin, it's a counterfeit twist off of the circumcision in the Old Testament at eight days, which was a sign uh, for the nation of Israel. Right. Um, and so now we have this infant baptism thing where I'm a Christian because I got baptized when I was a baby. Right. Well, how much of it do you remember? Mm -hmm. And what faith did you exercise in doing so? You just laid there and cried. Sure. Um, that was one of the heresies that got in. Another one was the doctrine of purgatory, where... Um, and that precede, did that precede, like, where did that doctrine come from? I mean, it became it? formalized as a Catholic doctrine under Pope Gregory around 600, mm -hmm. but it was taught early, much earlier than that. And Augustine taught it in the 400s, and even before that, it was... It was around. Around at that point in time. Um, again, extra biblical. You can't find any verse of scripture that 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 really supports it unless mm -hmm. you really squint real hard yeah. in those verses they claim supports it, but it doesn't. Uh, and this is just the opportunity for somebody to have a second chance, if you want to call it that. Sure. Um, it's a, a doctrine of convenience. Doctrine of convenience, yeah. and it's been abused by uh, the Catholic Church for centuries to extort money from people. Um, Dad dies, and we go to the widow, and we say, okay, well, I'll, I'll help pray your, your mm -hmm. husband out of purgatory if you give me enough money. Mm -hmm. And Jesus talked about it, devouring widows' houses in Matthew chapter 23. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where the, a lot of that comes in from. So that idea of that I can pay for my own sins, um, whether it be... Sacraments. Sacraments. Whether indulgences. Whether it be indulgences, whether it be... After I die, I can go to a short-term hell, if you mm -hmm. want to call it that, mm -hmm. uh, for a period of time. And once that period of time is over with, then all my sins are purged and I can pay for them myself and, myself and go to heaven. Sure. All that denies the payment of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Of course, yeah. Um, and so that's where a lot of those kind of things come in. So you're saying even before we have the establishment of the, the formalized Catholic yes. Church, the the, the govern uh, the the empirical sponsorship of yes. a church, we're beginning to see issues with um, pe people's soteriology, mm -hmm. um, 
issues of, of even just cosmo cosmology, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got this idea of purgatory. This thing doesn't actually exist anywhere in Scripture, but we've right. invented it uh, as a way of, of um, uh, squelching people's fears about hell. Right. Um, and, so, and so these doctrines, indulgences, uh, people paying their way uh, to, to gain mm -hmm. favor among church elders, these corruptions were already beginning to take oh, place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were inbred from from early on hmm. through Gnostic uh, theology, through the editing of Bible, through people just reading stuff into Scripture that wasn't there um, and coming up with these things just to satisfy their own rejection of God, if you want a rejection of the doctrine of grace and salvation. Okay, and so with that, I mean, with that, that those heresies floating about, and we've got, again, we've talked about this void in previous episodes, mm -hmm. this void in leadership, uh, and then, and then uh, people beginning to take authority in the major cities, places like Rome, mm -hmm. Constantinople, right. uh, Antioch, Alexandria, these kind of warring factions of leadership and authority over the church. These things are beginning to take place. And then suddenly there is a man that kind of rises uh, in leadership in Rome, uh, Constantine. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about Constantine and, and, and his life, maybe his story a little bit? Okay. Um... We talked in an earlier episode about the persecutions against the early church and how uh, God was moving to get this infant church going. Uh, the persecutions actually ended up working against Rome because um, people would see these people giving their lives for their faith and it would be drawn to that and it spread through the empire, empire like wildfire. Right. So here comes all these emperors for a couple of hundred years trying to squelch and stamp out uh, uh, Christianity by force and persecution, and it just makes it grow even just more thrives. and more. Yeah. Constantine, um, and to, to, be, to, to summarize it, launched a um, military campaign. He was born in England and uh, launched a military campaign coming through Europe um, to conquer Europe for his, because he wanted to be empire, emperor of the world. Right. You know, that's the, the goal of all these pagan, bloodthirsty, right. disgusting, filthy dictators, right. okay, is to dominate and control the world. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take over the world. The whole world will be mine. Right. Uh, and so he's marching through Europe, uh, killing people to consolidate his military gains uh, and this Christianity is bubbling up through the empire like this and he looks at that and makes a um, shrewd political calculation whereas he is opposed to Christianity to begin with he says well, I've got this block of people here that nobody's been able to do anything with and every time they try to do something with them it just gets stronger and stronger I will woo them into my camp and use them as my base to gain mm -hmm. political power and mm -hmm. control. So he feigns Christianity, if you want to call it that. And of course, the famous Battle of Milvian Bridge in, uh, in 312 AD, where he's north of Rome, and one of his rivals is in Rome, and he's about ready to conduct battle with him at that time. And he has this vision in the middle of the night now, from what I know, he actually prays to the sun god. Yes. He is so he's calling upon a pagan god. Yeah, he's pagan before, during, and after. Right. He's not praying to Christ. 
He's yes. praying to a pagan god, and then he gets this vision that you're about to experience. Yes, and he gets this vision of, the, of a Christ that appears to him mm-hmm. um, with a, um, a cross in the sky and a wording underneath it that says, in this sign, conquer, mm-hmm. roughly speaking. And then he takes that sign of the cross, paints it on his own equipment, has all of his soldiers the, paint the it, shields and their the... shields and their helmets and everything, paint the cross on there, go into battle the next day, and they win that battle. Well, mm-hmm. he credits that um, uh, victory in battle to the God of Christianity. He adds that God to his list of gods. There was never any conversion of, of right. Constantine yeah, I'm ask you about that to too. faith right. in Jesus Christ. Never. Okay, It was a political, military convenience yeah. where a very shrewd politician ropes this group of Christians in by claiming to be one himself right. when there was never any conversion and, whatsoever. And something really interesting about that too is that, that during that time period, um, the most of the of the pagans, most of the idolaters mm-hmm. were nominal in their faith. Yeah. And so it didn't make any difference to them what the, yeah. the, the, this, the state religion was yeah, uh, because they were going to be nominal no matter what, right? right? And, and you've got these people who are incredibly passionate, the Christians. And so what he, what he did is just merge the two, essentially merge the two together yes. by controlling the religious leadership. Yes. Now, put it in this context. You're part of a group of people that have been persecuted for 200 years. And I'm unmercifully persecuted. You've been hunted down and killed in big groups of people. Mm. You've been fed to lions. Right. Uh, you've been you've been the subject of worldwide scorn for 200 years. And somebody comes along and says, "You know what? I'm on your side now." And this guy is conquering the world. Yeah. I'm one of you. Um, you can be. And everybody's going to go. <gasps> right. And that's that. That door was opened, and he he seized that opportunity yeah. to do so. Everybody comes along and talks about that. All the church historians will write about that vision that Constantine had, and they'll credit, they'll say Christ appeared to him, and they'll tag Jesus at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where knowing the Bible might help you a little bit. There's two Christs in the Bible. Sure. There's Jesus Christ, and there's Antichrist. Now, I don't know about your Christ. But mine would not appear to a filthy, disgusting, pagan, vicious murderer and encourage him to continue murdering people to take over the world. Sure. Okay? Now, that's just a basic Doesn't really fall into, the, into Christian doctrine. Right. Okay? <laughs> However, all these historians are going, oh, well, that's the movement of God. Mm-hmm. Wrong God. Right. Right. Okay? And then beyond that, so what, what he does is he takes his power and his financial mm-hmm. backing and he says hey you don't need to meet in homes anymore in these right. small decrepit places let me let me build you a basilica here yes. and there and starts funding uh, the work and so suddenly the bishops that were maybe a little bit hard to do you know in terms of finances mm-hmm. suddenly they, they were wealthy mm-hmm. and they had the backing of the of the emperor yes and so then uh, it's easy for them to be swayed mm-hmm. Right? They've, yeah. been bought, they've been bought off. And you've lived under that oppression for mm-hmm. 200 years, and somebody lifts that off of you, you're like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Okay, and, and, and I understand that. But you've also got the creeping in of these bad doctrines 
and yeah. the void of authority and all those things that have led this group off to a little bit and then Constantine ropes them in. Yeah. And, and then so there's a bunch of characters, you know, just to paint the picture, you've got warring factions in terms of doctrine, different camps, mm -hmm. um, really all over the known world at this point. I right. mean, in Alexandria, Antioch, Constantinople, and of course Rome, mm -hmm. uh, which becomes the seat of religious power. Like there's already this void in terms, like who is who really is going to have this last say in doctrine? Right. Well, obviously, if if Constantine has anything to say about it, it's going to be the, the seat will be Rome. Yes. Um, so you've got all these different camps and you've got all these different heresies that are being debated over mm -hmm. and you've got all these different characters. And so suddenly you have Constantine who's going to mend the fence, yes. if you will. And so he steps in and uh, one of the biggest issues of the time was Arius's, a previous mm -hmm. uh, writer, mm -hmm. um, theologian, if you will, who's writing about something called Arianism and, mm -hmm. and Constantine thinks he's going to put this issue to rest. Can you tell us about Arianism a little bit and what was going on? Okay, the seed behind that, of course, again, was the Gnostic thought. We can't reconcile, we can't accept by faith the fact that God was manifest in the flesh in Jesus Christ. So we have to be able to demonstrate this and prove this. This is the skepticism of, of man. Some things, branded in life, just have to be accepted by faith. And we talked mm -hmm. about this a minute ago. How do you, do you know for, for a fact that the Great Wall of China exists? Have you ever yeah, seen Yeah, I've never been. Never been. So never you don't been. know for sure. No. Firsthand. Have some evidence. You, but expect, never seen you accept that by faith because of others' testimonies and sure. pictures that you've seen. Yeah. But hey, Photoshop is a powerful thing. It's true. So um, there, there's this element of theology and religion that, uh, and thought that mankind has that just cannot accept something by faith that they can't explain. And how do you explain that God could be a man? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I know that it's true because my Bible tells me that it's true. And I have evidence of it because right. the one who claimed that he was died and came out of a tomb by himself. Sure. Now, you, you, you give that a shot. Right. Okay? And until somebody else does that, I'm going to hang with him. Sure. Nobody else will. So um, we, we have that proof that way, but that's not enough for some people. So they want to try to create... Uh, an explanation for how this man, Jesus Christ, could be so unique and so uh, earth-changing and history-changing and so different. Well, he must have been an, just an apparition, mm -hmm. Gnostic thought. He was not really a man, he just appeared. Um, some of the other things where he was God from his baptism to the cross. Right, the Spirit of Christ came Spirit on of, him. The Spirit of God came on him at his baptism. He wasn't God before then, but he was at the baptism, and he remained to be God in the flesh. And when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That that's the God left him at that point in time. Right. So he and was he became man Jesus again. He was just Jesus yeah. again. Okay. <clears throat> so we have to explain all this stuff mm -hmm. this way. And it gets into this nuance of uh, of of stuff because I can't accept it by faith I have to explain it and Arius was one of those guys like that along with a whole bunch of other people and his basic uh, position was that Jesus Christ was a lesser God mm -hmm. he wasn't God the Father manifest in the flesh he was a created being by the Father and he was just he was a God but not the God right okay well that obviously is heresy mm -hmm. 
and there comes the orthodox side of believers at that time refuting that, that was just one of the main factions you talked about. All of these various different thoughts or ideas were ripping the fabric of the empire apart mm -hmm. because you have factions that are arguing with each other. Right. Constantine called the Council of Nicaea to try to mediate that that argument, and that was the main argument: mm. is Jesus Christ God or is He not? And so He calls. I mean, how how many pastors? Three hundred and some bishops together. Yeah, yeah. Um, most like of which were empire. in opposition to Arianism. Yes, they found out pretty quickly that well, most of us are on the same team. Right. But the interesting thing is that He comes and presides over the over the council, yes. which is an assertion of His authority and His stamp of approval. Explain why that's so significant, and this idea of marrying the marrying of government and uh, and, and spirituality and, and faith, right, right. Um, and why that became such a dangerous thing, and how that snowballs. Well, one of the principles in in my book at the beginning of it uh, says this: that Satan controls people through a triangle of religion, politics, and the military. Mm -hmm. So once a thought process permeates an entire group of people and they all think the same, then that thought process gets legislated. Mm -hmm. Then the government in that enforces that legislation, if need be, with guns and bombs and right. whatever. Okay? And that's a pattern that has operated throughout history forever. has nothing to do with names, dates, figures, and facts, and when somebody was born, and how do you spell his name. It has to do with Bible principle that, that permeates those things. So mm -hmm. now you have a thought process. Uh, we're all Christians now because Constantine says we're all Christians. So we're going to pass laws that says you must be this. Now we're going to enforce them at the point of a sword or barrel of a gun. And so that happened during that particular time. And in order to weed out the false teachings and the false doctrines, they have this council of Nicaea to get everybody together to try to agree. Big surprise, there were more issues after that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. They come up with the Nicene Creed, which people have died arguing over for mm -hmm. centuries. Mm -hmm. Did not do any. All it did was muddy the water. And so you've got still the, the, the warring factions. Uh, you've, got, you've got Constantine overseeing all of it. It's, yeah. a, it's a big mess. He probably was in over his head in many regards, didn't know what he was getting into. Right. Um, but, but what he does is, is he, he combines governance and he combines that with a faith system. Yes. And, and we, over time, have seen that through the Roman Catholic Church, this mm -hmm. marrying of government and religious faith systems. Yes. And we see that even today. How have you, I mean, just to fast forward, how is that moment in time, that rulership of Constantine affected uh, Christianity and specifically specifically Catholicism over the last, you know, 1,800 years? Since that point in time, yeah. He sits over the, <clears throat> over the uh, council as the bishop of bishops. Mm. Did Eusebius give him that title, or was he that claimed he claimed it himself? Um, and uh, when he never studied theology at all, never read a Bible, he becomes the bishop of bishop because he has the he has the guns, mm -hmm. he has the power. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so he's going to settle the argument over this thing, and reign over this deal. Now he's, you've got the political leader 
governing the church and there's that marriage of church and state. Mm -hmm. And when that marriage of church and state happens, it's just a matter of time before the bullets fly and the bombs go off. Sure. Because you have to enforce that. Now we see that played out in the, for centuries through history. The birth of Christendom as a concept. Yeah. And the yeah. concept of a church-state government out of Rome and other places, but specifically for this discussion from Rome, that dominates the world for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. You look at it in our world today, Islam. Okay? There's a religious thought process that permeates that entire group of people in a certain area and region. Uh, then that gets passed off as what we would, we would call Sharia law or mm -hmm. what, variations thereof, but now it becomes against the law to do anything that is against that particular faith. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to enforce that by jail sentences or executions. And we're going to further that perspective by warring against those who don't believe the way that we exactly. believe and, and we'll force our hand, mm -hmm. uh, our religious hand upon them, which is exactly what happens and invited what we refer to as the Dark Ages. Yes. I mean, invited that perspective, invited that in. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what happened under Constantine. He politically seized that opportunity of that um, church that could not be squelched by persecution um, and roped them in on his side wooed them in and the diluted. marriage of church and, and state diluted the whole thing and diluted and messed up the whole thing yeah. with his with his false perspective thank you for joining us for this episode of the postscript uh, keep an eye out next week there'll be another episode another interview you don't want to miss out uh, again we want to thank everybody who's helped out with this episode we want to thank pastor greg axe have a great day thank you for joining us for this episode of the postscript if you've got questions about living faith bible institute or the Postscript Show, please visit lfbi.org. Please join us next week for another episode.